Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the NFL Scotland podcast. It may be the close season, but the NFL is never far from the headline and it again looms large over the sporting landscape. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We'll do a final look back at the season past, our focus on the AFC. Who did well, who did poorly and who flat out disappointed? We'll be giving out the AFC version of the NFL Scotland Awards, including the most Scottish-like performance of the season, the Honkin Award, and we'll be asking who had their porridge. Then, with the NFC and AFC reviews out the way, the awards completed, we set sail towards the shiny horizon that is the 2019 season and all that it will bring. We'll talk the combine and the implications for the draft, which is now just under 50 days away, the continued progress of the Alliance of America League, the NFL coming to Scotland, and we'll address all the rumours that the NFL Scotland podcast is set to sign Antonio Brown. So we'll start episode 43, like we did with episode 41. We're talking AFC awards for the season. We're going to kick off with views from Twitter. So a couple of people got in touch with this one. Uh, Mabanks. Maybanks, I say this different every single time he, t- he tweets us. Anyway, most Scottish-like performance for him is the Miami Dolphins. Always have the hype, but never deliver the goods. The honking award for him goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. From almost going to the Super Bowl to completely terrible. And who's had his porridge? Tom Brady continues to defy Father Time. He's also added his own Walloper Award, which he's given to Antonio Brown, which I think is one that we'll be discussing probably at a later point on the pod tonight. Um, And then Lauren Callahan got in touch, so he's given out two honking awards. One goes to Gronk's playing safety in that Dolphins game. Hashtag say no more. Yep. Uh, honking number two goes to uh, Gruden though for single-handedly dismantling the Raiders by trading away impact players to teams who were likely to finish with good records anyway. End result, two times first rounders outside the top 15 might as well be second rounders. He's then gone on to say for a most Scottish-like performance, Andy Reid and the Chiefs, when the spotlight is focused on them, always seem to come out on the losing side. Finally, the porridge. He gives that to Kermit the Frog, a.k.a. Pat Mahomes, for a season in which he recorded only the second 5,000-plus passing and 50-touchdown performance in NFL history. Yeah, that should have been enough for him to get the runner-up to the MVP award, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, let's have a look. I think some of these are great points. I mean, what you remember about the season, you remember that play by Miami and Gronk yeah. standing still, almost going backwards. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was was great. I mean, in, in the words of the Lego movie, Patrick Mahomes is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, he had everything and he showed it off. And the Chiefs, you know, improved the record on last year. In that same division, the Chargers improved their record. But did you know that Denver actually improved their record as well by a game? Well, did they? Yeah. They went from five wins to six. Not enough to save the coach, obviously. Yeah. Um, And the Raiders, yeah, they did stink. But I'll give the Raiders a pass. Now, they've traded away two top-class players. But I'll give you a pass because you've got to show me that you've got a plan. And that plan starts with this draft because they're not really interested in this year either. They're all about Vegas. It's all about... Just win in Vegas, baby. So I'm going to give them a pass, which I know some will annoy some people because Gruden, it's like this mad scientist. He's got this wonderful idea and plan. I think they've brought in Mike May- Mayock, who's going to, I think, change the way they look at things. I'm not sure they would have got rid of these players if Mike Mayock had been there. But sometimes you shuffle out the door, you have a look. The Chargers are a really good team at the moment. They're well coached. The Chiefs are a really good team at the moment. They're well coached. So what you want to do is to be ready when they start to fade, you're coming up. I think it's calculated by the Raiders, although I may be giving them far too much credit. Uh, Derek Carr wants Antonio Brown. Derek Carr just wants anybody. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It was a fascinating division between KC and LA. It'll be interesting to see where they, they go next time. Let's talk about the Patriots. Tom Brady's had his porridge, but it'll be genetically modified kelp-enhanced <laughs> kelp porridge. Now, they weren't stunning. I mean, 2-2 two and two start, 11-5. Uh, and five, But the three other teams in the division, arguably all went backwards. The Bills, having got over that playoff hump, not been there since 1999, couldn't go twice in a row, couldn't get two winning records in a row. So they all kind of went backwards. And that's reflected in the fact that Miami binned their coach and the Jets binned their coach as well. So we'll talk a little bit about coaching changes in a moment. I'm going to jump to the North. Credit to the Ravens. Now, that was 10-6 and 
with the Ravens. But one of my favourite stats, Cameron, was they were only one of three teams to play three straight away games. Back-to-back-to-back away games. Now, in the last 17 years, 138 teams have played this horrible schedule. The number of teams that went 3-0, 10. The number of teams that went 0-3, 25. So you're two and a half times more likely to lose all of these or have a, you know, one and two is the most common record. So they did that pretty well and overhauled the Steelers. Now, the Steelers had five of their first eight within division and then utterly utterly collapsed. If you think it couldn't go worse after Levon Bell, well, Antonio Brown was, was your answer to that. So, again, that's a fascinating division as well. The Browns, 5-3 uh, and three under Greg Williams. That rescued their season. Hugh Jackson long gone. And the Bengals, now I love this from the Bengals, 6-10. and 10. Um, Now, they weren't on Monday night football for the first time in seven years. And no Sunday night football. They were on prime time once on the Thursday night football. People see the Bengals as a bust. Everybody reckoned they were going to be a bust before the start of the season. And they were a bust. Yeah, they really were. Um, some fascinating stories. And actually, I think the one that I agree with you most on probably is the Ravens. They had a major change during the season as yeah. well. Moving from Flacco to Lamar Jackson was something that we had speculated about whether we would see, you know, as soon as he was drafted, it seemed to upset Flacco. Um, there was a lot of people saying that it was arguably perhaps one of the best picks of the whole first round if he was the player that people thought he could be. And I, whilst I still think the jury's out in a big way on him, because I think the performance in the playoffs was so poor for three and a half quarters, yeah. um, that he didn't look like he had any answers there. Uh, but they played really, really well, and they were entertaining to watch. They stuck it to Kansas City in Kansas City. There wasn't many people did that, find the Patriots did, but they're a different beast, that's experience. This is an inexperienced Ravens playing a different brand of football that went in and stuck it to the Kansas City Chiefs, who were riding high at the time. So... For me, if you're looking for a team that's that's had their porridge, I think that the Ravens are in the conversation. Obviously, the easy answer there is the Chiefs because of how great they did. But they'd done well the year before. The Chargers turned it around, just missed out on the playoffs to then, you know, almost winning the division. Great performance from them. Houston Texans need to be in that conversation as well. Yeah. Worst to first. Yeah, we, we come to the South, which is interesting, because worst to first and first to worst as well. Yeah. With the Jags with Jags dropping down. Texans 11-5, Colts 10-6, Titans 9-7, and, and the Jags 5-11, and, and arguably lucky to get five. Uh, they were the dumpster fire. I think what it shows is that the Texans, Colts and Titans have all got a quarterback. That's the difference. And at time of recording, Nick Foles hasn't yet signed for the Jags. The indication is that he will. But Deshaun Jackson, Andrew Luck, they, they were brilliant. They yeah. were utter, Marcus Mariota's really good as well. I've always liked him. Is Nick Foles in that same conversation? That's going to be interesting. It really is. And there's, there was a bit of chat. Um, and there was, we were tagged into a tweet actually about this whether Nick Foles signing for the Jacksonville Jaguars immediately makes them a 12 and 14 now in franchise history they've only won 12 regular season games I think twice in history so no I do not think that he's suddenly going to change them from a 5 and 11 to a 12 and 4 and you know why because the division's too strong uh, yes you can't look at any of those teams and think we'll beat them home and away stick that Stick those two wins in the back pocket and you'll worry about the rest later. There is no team that you would fancy there to beat home and away. I mean, the Colts went 1-5. Frank Rex didn't panic. Yeah. Won nine of the last ten. And Andrew Luck is back. And that's that's one of the biggest things in the NFL. I mean, he probably had his porridge uh, drip-fed or on an IV over about a year and a half. But he's come through. He's back. And now the Colts are, are worth watching again. That's a division that is genuinely worth watching very much so and you look even that the Tennessee Titans had a bit of an indifferent season but still had a winning season finished third you know the, the differential in, in in their points scoring for and against you know the Titans in third still had a plus seven um, the only team in third place in the AFC side of things to achieve that you look at that as a comparison you go into the AFC East which we've criticised repeatedly how disappointing that is as a competition 
but the Dolphins finished second with a losing record of seven and nine. Yeah. Um, all three teams, other than the Patriots, had a differential of over negative 100 points. You know, it's 105 for the Bills, 108 for the Jets, 114 for the Dolphins, who finished second. 100, you know, there's only one team outdid that, and that's the Raiders with 177. They were, they were honking. But I, I get the point that you made as well about the pass because they're in a really good division. That's a tough one. Um, outside of the division, they did slightly better. Um, but you're right. I think that the, the AFC South is the up-and-coming one. I think that the AFC North for so long has been probably the most competitive one because you've had the Ravens, you've had the Steelers, and to a point you had the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals have fallen away and the Browns are now in that conversation. It's going to be interesting to see where the Steelers fall. And actually, through a summer and a whole season with Lamar Jackson, can the Ravens still perform to that level? Was that a one-season flash in the pan, something a bit different? Both yeah. teams have figured out how to deal with it. It would be interesting as well, they've released Alex Collins because he got arrested for misdemeanors in a car crash, got arrested, immediately dropped. So he was a big part. He was their number one running back when the season started last year. So he's out. There's definitely gaps there in that position. So I'm going to make a, a bit of a prediction in terms of Monday night football because Sunday night, you traditionally get a lot of the NFC East matchups and things like that. That's where, where they're strong. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the most Monday night games are going to come from the AFC South. Because the Titans, Colts, Titans and Jags, you could see them all there or thereabouts come the end of the season. If, if I'm scheduling Monday night football for the last three weeks, bearing in mind, I'm not talking Sunday night football because that's got uh, a schedule you can change. Monday night football is going to be set in absolute stone. Um, and you look at what Monday Night Football did with you know the Raiders towards the tail end of, of their schedule. I don't think you're going to see the Raiders anywhere near that. I think the South will give a narrative. So just a wee bit, just at the start, most Monday Night Football games will come from the AFC South. I may be wrong. I've been wrong before. The least will come from uh, the AFC, the East, because quite frankly, who's interested? If I'm a Pats fan, you're probably quite happy that you play a lot of games at one o'clock. Because, let me be honest, no national network at the moment, realistically, is going to pick up any of your divisional games. Yeah, indeed. And uh, one other prediction for Monday Night Football is it's going to be a lot better, because we've not touched on this yet. Yeah. Jason Witten's playing again, so he's not going to be in the booth. Jason's gone. <laughs> Booger McFarlane may be gone. Joe Tessitore may be gone. I, I think... It's, it's interesting. So let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, there's all sorts of rumours and stories. Now, Romo was tremendous. Witten wasn't. They're good mates. This is face-saving. Now, I think Dallas have, have come out. Now, I think Jason Witten can still play. Yeah. But I thought he could still play last year. I think this is a simple way to say, no, actually, we needed him back. He'll play for a year, and then he'll go on the coaching staff. I don't think he'll go anywhere near a booth ever again would be my thing because it's not his natural home now the man who should have got it last year who should get it this year is Kurt Warner he's a tremendous analyst and I've said before the other option for Monday Night Football Iron Eagle Dan Fouts go to CBS open the checkbook and say boys there you go and my booth if I was putting it together yeah. as I should be let's yeah. be honest Iron Eagle Dan Fouts Kurt Warner that's my booth. That's a solid booth. That's a talking point. We might have to do this in a future pod. What's your ultimate um, yeah, commentary team up? If you could have fan fantasy football commentary team. Yeah, we'll <laughs> certainly we'll do that. We'll, we'll put yeah. that out there in a few weeks' time. We'll ask people what they think, you know, who they prefer to watch and why. But if, I, if I'm ESPN and I'm putting that together, that's what I'm doing. You've got the established partnership of Ian Eagle and Dan Fouch, you've then got Kurt Warner, who's slightly younger, a little bit fresher, but I think he's got the ability to then bounce off because Dan Fouch knows his stuff as a broadcaster. I think they'd be able to cope. I think you want a three-man booth because that's something that on a Monday, you know, most, most are two-man booths, that's great. They've always tried to do something different on a ABC, ESPN. So that's the way that I'd go. So if we're looking for most Scottish-like performance then out of any of these teams or anything like that, who who do you think is your contender? We've obviously had one nomination from Twitter for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I've got a slightly alternative new award for them that I'll come to in a second. Um, most Scottish-like performance for me is the Tennessee Titans. To have a winning record and have a positive differential and actually have a fairly decent season, but 
not really get anywhere beyond that, not make it to the playoffs because, you know, the Chargers were absolutely superb and the Colts were tremendous. You know, that one one win over the Colts was the difference they would have been in. Um, and that just feels like that, that where you look back and go, just that one win would have been enough. Yeah. Um, to have a breakout player like Derek Henry, who I'm sure will get a mention at some point because he racked up over a thousand yards in one game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think. Um, but for me, they feel like a real Scottish performance to have actually had a pretty decent season, to have battled the injuries to um, Mariota and to, to get over the line and do it without any standout stars in that team either. I still think that the certainly on a, an offensive point of view, there isn't any real standout players there um, to do all that and be so close reeks of Scotland. Yeah, I mean, the other, the other alternative that I'll offer is, is the Jacksonville Jags, you know. Everybody's picking them, they've been rubbish, they, they build up, they change their coaching staff, they get everything, you know, lined up, they're ready to go, and they're an absolute... Scottish are honking 5-11. and 11. And from early doors, you knew they were, they were bad. So I'll tell you what, I'll accept the Titans for the Scottish Award, but I think the Jags have to be the honking team. Uh, yeah, just because of the fall from grace. Do you know what? And I'm going to touch on this because it comes back to the false point. If you look at the defence, it was such a great defence, the Jacksonville Jacks, and people were, that's how they were winning their game. But they were also cutting it on offence and they were scoring and that was good. This year, if you look at their defence over the season, you know, their differential is minus 71, but there's only two teams conceded less points than them in the season within the AFC. That is the Baltimore Ravens who conceded 287, that's the least, and the Titans, who conceded 303 over the whole season. The Jacksonville Jags conceded 316, the exact same amount of points that the Houston Texans conceded, but the difference there is 11-5 and five versus 5-11. and 11. The reason for that is on offence, they scored 245 points, which is by far the lowest in the AFC. Second lowest is the Bills, 269, and they had a brand new quarterback that wasn't particularly brilliant when he started. And they had loads of changes. Nathan Peterman was playing at one point. And the Oakland Raiders were then after that 290. It was offence that was the problem. And there's problems in Jacksonville. There definitely is. So they can't stay with bottles. It'll be interesting. You know, all the chat seems to be Foles. And I think they're going to chuck a bunch of money at Nick Foles to make sure that he is the man. Um, But they need more than just Nick Foles to sort that team out. But the thing is, Nick Foles will look at it and think, where can I win? Now, defence wins championships. We're told that. Now, the defence, as I say, clearly show that they're good enough up in the top three. That's fine. They still weren't brilliant, and yeah. but then again, when you're losing games and your you know the, your team's not scoring, sometimes you just lose heart. Yeah. So again, so take that into account. If you've got somebody that can manage the offense, no no team will stand still. So you've then got to look and say, right, we're going to be drafting on offense. You know, you've got to look at a running back. You've got to look at wide receivers, potentially a tight end as well. Where's the sexy position's going to come from? And what you've got to do is say to Nick Folds, right, tell us another couple of free agents you fancy. And what we'll do is, you and I will go there and we'll sell them on the fact that we're a Super Bowl winning team, potentially. Uh, Really give it the big ups and go for it. And you might find that you do get the weapons. How much better do they have to be? 30% better? 25% better? Bortles is done. I mean, you cannot... It's the whole narrative. As soon as they started to struggle, everything went on Bortles. Bortles will get a backup job somewhere and might surprise us all by coming in, you know, for an injured quarterback and yeah. actually doing well. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're going way back now. You go back to that game against the Steelers and the the playoffs the season before, and he was brilliant in that game. He really was. Um, so yeah, they can't continue with him. They just absolutely cannot. So they have to move on. They have to move on. In terms of coaching changes, so, I mean, the Jets, this is the weird one. I mean, to, from Miami, Adam Gates to lose his job at Miami and to stay in the same division is yeah. is utterly stunning. 23 and 25 in his three years, nothing went well. Um, of course, Tannehill was injured. They do have their franchise quarterback in Darnold. They do have a little bit of talent around there. Strange hire. Greg Williams in the building. Greg Williams in the house, everyone. That'll be great. Uh, I want them on hard knocks. That would be yeah. fantastic. Uh, Vic Fangio gets his chance, former Bears defensive coordinator, uh, to go into Denver. Denver, of course, taking Flacco into yeah. the building and causing a quarterback controversy. That's got interest to it. 
Cleveland, Freddie Kitchen, I presume can't believe his luck because we talk about the Browns going 7-8-1. They had the hardest strength of schedule. Six of their 16 games are against teams that made the playoffs the previous year. That's tough. Yeah. That is seriously tough. And if they can do that, I think the Steelers are on the, the downslope. The Bengals are on the downslope. The Ravens, you're not sure what you're going to get out of Lamar Jackson. There's a real chance for the Browns to accelerate there. Miami... Brian Flores moves out of New England, joined there. I think he was 23 when he when he joined there, and he leaves as a 37 year old to yeah. go to um, Miami. That's an interesting one. And the Bengals, uh, Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach of the Rams. Now, to me, he's got the hardest job yeah. of them all. I mean, the Jets, they've got a quarterback. Cleveland, they've got embarrassment of riches. Denver. You've got a new quarterback in who should be decent and you've got chances in the draft. Their problems are Kansas and LA. Miami, you've then just got to beat the Jets and the Bills. Because at the moment, until Tom Brady stops taking his porridge, you ain't getting anywhere near them. (laughs) Indeed. Right, so before we move on to the players and start to look at some of the high-level numbers there, I'm going to give, I said I was going to give an alternative word to the Kansas City Chiefs. Most English-like performance of the season, which feels controversial on an NFL Scotland podcast. It's just, would it be stealing the MVP from the deserved <laughs> Scottish <laughs> favourite? I think that it's the most English thing is to whip the fans up into a frenzy. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to go all the way. All the hype. They believed it. Everybody believed it. And then they lose in extra time to an old rival uh, and ultimately it's just another year of disappointment with nothing to show for it. It feels very English. It will be interesting to see if they do record footballs coming home yeah. as their song for Arrowhead for 2019. That would be great. Just a round off. We could suggest that. So players then. Who from your recollections over the last season were your standout? Now, obviously, quarterback position, Pat Mahomes is is a standout. You know, over 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. You know, Ben Roethlisberger got more yards, didn't get as many touchdowns. A couple of call-outs you've got to give to Sean Watson, some credit coming back from injury. Uh, Over 4,000 yards and just nine interceptions. Um, The only quarterback to throw over 3,000 yards in the AFC and have single digits on their interception so shout out on that um, QB rating you got a look at Pat Mahomes for that 113 but then Philip Rivers was 105 it was a great season for Philip Rivers Andrew Luck obviously got comeback player of the season tremendous year from him as well Brady's sitting in amongst all that as well with solid numbers again so there's been some really good quarterback performances there have been, I think Baker Mayfield also gets yep. a bit of a shout, doesn't he? Because yep. he came into what's been a horrendous situation and just steadied the ship. And I, I didn't trust him, I have to say, but I like the way he's carried himself. He's he's matured very, very quickly. Uh, Derek Henry at Tennessee was a lovely surprise. Uh, the tight ends at the Colts were a wonderful surprise. For a one-two tight end punch, uh, Eric Ebron, I thought, was tremendous at yep. times. And again, that's a player who wasn't doing well where he was, comes to somewhere new, and sometimes it can just be that new environment, a different coaching voice. So these are the guys. Philip Rivers, I mean, I love Philip Rivers. I think he's just a great quarterback, and I really wanted to see him uh, go all the way this year. He's not got many seasons left, but but you never know. And I think you're going to give a shout-out, and I don't want to pick out individual players, but the, the Ravens' defence as well. Yeah. Just as a unit, they were really enjoyable to watch. And I think one of the hard things that, about watching American football, especially when all, all we do is watch it off a screen, is trying to look at how the different players are moving. And it's a very difficult game. I understand when I hear people who support a particular team say, I went back and watched the game again, because you then watch different things. I really liked the Ravens, just because they had an energy, they had a vibe, they had a bounce about them, and seemed to work really hard. And then you look at a team like, well, for me, for, for the little I know, the Steelers' defence looked to be a little bit disjointed, not quite right, not quite scheming uh, yeah. as perhaps the coordinator had hoped they would. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as a, as a whole for the defence. I liked watching the Ravens. Yeah, uh, I think that's a solid shout. I think if you're looking for... So, you know, most Scottish-like performance I give to a team, Honkin Award give to a team, but the Porridge Award for me goes to a player. And 
two names. A uh, player on defence, he obviously got defensive rookie of the year, but Darius Leonard. What a season he had. And suddenly that Indianapolis Colts defence felt relevant. And suddenly you're talking about the Colts in a, in a conversation piece where you're saying, actually, there's just a few pieces away from being a really good team. The year before, there was no way. You know, Andrew Luck brings a lot back to that team, of course, but they just were, the offensive line was terrible. The defence wasn't very good. They've plugged the gaps and they've, they've went and drafted really well and got players in at important positions. Darius Leonard is absolutely up there, you know. 163 combined tackles. Uh, seven sacks over the season. Just two interceptions as well. He really was a standout on the defensive side of things. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. But the one other one, and the week after we spoke to Jamie Gillen, um, obviously the kicker punter and the future he might have, and we talked about how important kickers are. Uh, Kai Fairbairn scoring 150 total points for the Texans this season. You know, that's a substantial percentage of the total Texans points this year. He had a huge season. Um, and in a, in, a, in a side of the division AFC, it's often Justin Tucker that gets all the chat. Justin Tucker, once again, brilliant 141 points for the season. But Kai Fairbairn, 150 points he scored um, in the 2018 season. That's not to be sniffed at. Do you think there's Scottish ancestry in there? There must be. Absolutely, must must be. We must convince him to come on the NFL (laughs) Scotland podcast because we'll trace his family tree for him. Probably comes from West Granton or something like that. So the NFL held its combine in Indianapolis. The treasurer of the NFL Scotland podcast decided we couldn't afford to go this year. We're hoping for next year. You never know. But how about this? I just thought you might like this. 1,093,234 young men play high school football. 71,291 of them play in college. That's 6.5%. 1,426 of them go on to the NFL. That's 2%. So as a high school senior, you have a 0.09% chance of going to the NFL. It's quite amazing, isn't it? It you really know? is. I mean, everybody dreams. That's what they want to do. But So when we talk about players in the NFL who might not be very good, Christian Hackenberg you know, springs to mind, and some of these third-string quarterbacks, just bear in mind, these guys are brilliant athletes. They are just competing with the best of the best. I think that... That's really quite important. I say the same same thing when I watch football. People, you know, might knock Albion Rovers at the moment because they've barely won a game. These are still good footballers. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got you've got to remember that when yeah. it, when it comes to. It. So let's talk about the combine and some some of the interesting points. And of course, a lot of the focus was on Kyler Murray. You know, he's now turned down the chance to play baseball with uh, Oakland, and now he's talking about you know, coming in, potentially being a number one. So everything falls around the quarterback. It wasn't going to be that good a quarterback class. Now, the knock on Kyler Murray is that he apparently didn't do very well in his interviews. Now, I find this fascinating, and it's James Palmer retweeted that, that Charlie Cassidy on the NFL Network had said comments he'd heard about Kyler Murray were the worst he's ever heard at a combine on a highly rated quarterback. He's been doing this a while, it said. Leadership, not good. Study habits, not good. Board work, not good. That is some knock to be putting on a potential number one. And I think that is a big knock. And I, To be honest, all the chat about this seems to be that the Cardinals now are moving on from Josh Rosen already, that they're shopping him. That's come apparently from another executive from another team who's leaked the fact that they're shopping him. Cliff Kingsbury, there was a load of chat that he'd said, you know, why wouldn't you take Kyler Murray as number one? If I had the number one pick, I'd absolutely take him. Well, lo and behold, he's got it. People have put two and two together. And first of all, it felt like, oh, maybe they're coming up with five. But as we get closer and closer to this, they're starting to say, say, you know, two and two is actually maybe equal in four here. So it's fascinating. I think this is as fascinating as some of the chat last year where it felt like, it was Sakon Barkley. He was number one. He was number one. Then the closer you got to the draft, suddenly it was like, it's going to be a quarterback. It's going to be Darnold. Darnold's going to go number one. Darnold's going to go number one. Baker Mayfield went number one. And I'm not sure that many people saw that coming. Um, well, I still think... people that, did, but... I, yeah. I still think the Browns got it wrong. Yeah. I would have taken Barkley at number one, and then you knew you were getting either Darnold or Mayfield. They obviously threw everything in that they possibly could and decided that Mayfield was their guy. And I'll tell you what, 
that takes that takes that takes stones to yes. go for that because you knew the easy one to say as well when you were getting one of the two. I still personally would have taken Barkley because I think Barkley is a different class altogether. Now we won't know that unless he blows out an E, which he'll be doesn't. But ten years time when you see where he is yeah. down the line, I think that was the easy decision. Now, are the Cardinals simply trying to force the hand of others? Now, I think they've got Josh Rosen. He's played for a year he's had the hits the knocks for a year I think you stay with him I could be completely wrong here and let Kyler Murray go somewhere else that to me because I think Kyler Murray is being overhyped at the moment I think he's being overplaced uh, you've still got Dwayne Haskins in there um, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out the Giants need a quarterback so badly when are they going to jump there the chance last year at the top of the board they're back again. There's no way that they cannot come out of uh, the Walmart that is the draft without actually having a quarterback in their trolley. Indeed, and this is where we start to get into now the realms of free agency versus tra- uh, trades versus draft. And you look at the situation where, and I love this bit because there's so much knock-on effect. So... If you're looking at this and you're thinking Nick Bosa, who is the player that everyone has been talking about as the number one. Now, actually, coming off the injury, his numbers at the Combine were decent without being anything absolutely eye-catching. Certainly, there's other players at similar positions who have perhaps caught more attention because of their Combine performance. Then you start to question, how much does the Combine actually come into play here? Because if it really is down to that much, then someone's done so well that it's going to move them up the board. To your point, Kyler Murray falls down because he's had some bad things said about him and hasn't performed particularly brilliantly necessarily. But then actually, do the coaches already have it in their mind? If Kingsbury's already said five years ago he's decided he's the number one pick and he's sticking by that, then fair enough. It wasn't five years ago, but you know what I mean. Um, He's living by his word when he was in a previous role. It becomes fascinating because let's take the scenario where the Cardinals go in and they take up Kyler Murray then suddenly you're the New York Giants and you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute. One of the two top quarterbacks is now off the board already. What are we going to do? Are we going to sit and wait and hope that our quarterback's still there? Or do we now have to trade? Do we now have to start working our way up the board? And if you're looking at that board, then you start to go, right, well, who's next in line? There's the San Francisco 49ers, right? They do not need a quarterback. What do they need? A wide receiver. Who's been mouthing off about maybe moving somewhere else? Odell Beckham Jr. Right. So do the 49ers then go, right, okay, we'll give you a bunch of stuff and the second round pick. You go get your quarterback. We'll have Odell Beckham. That service is one of our needs. Or do they then sit and go, hang on a minute, we didn't expect Bosa to be there. No, thank you. Thanks, but no thanks. And then actually the knock-on for the teams in that top couple positions, it all goes out the window. Um, And I saw Kyle Shanahan had started to talk about that he almost wished that... um, the draft was before free agency, so you could go and get your young players and then fill the gaps that you couldn't draft. There's maybe an argument that says that's a really good way to do it, give the opportunity to the youth before you go out and pay a bunch of money to some guy that maybe doesn't really deserve that much money. Um, but I think, you know, the, the knock-on effect of what happens over the next few while is huge. If the Cardinals trade Josh Rosen in the next two weeks, we know they're going Kyler Murray. That's done. Um... But again, yeah, what what happens after that? What do the Giants do to go and get Haskins? Because I think he's the guy that's got to end up in New York. Well, you look at it, I mean... Or do the Giants go and get Rosen? Well, San Francisco won't touch him. The Jets are at three. Yep. They're not going to touch him nope. unless they just do it out of sheer nutter devilment <laughs> and take Haskins and say, yeah. hey, we're doing this for a laugh. You know, I'm not sure you could waste your first pick on it. Uh, if you were the Patriots, you possibly could, but I don't think you could do it. Then you're looking... At the Raiders, arguably don't need a quarterback. Tampa Bay, arguably don't need a quarterback. Or do they? Well, even the Raiders. So there was some chat. And again, this is the season of chat. This is silly season. um, And there was chat that the Raiders were potentially considering shopping uh, Derek Carr. Now, if they do do that, then suddenly they are a contender to go and pick up a quarterback in the draft. Unless they've got their eyes on someone themselves. What's Gruden thinking? Well, well, many I'll, people I'll, have asked that question. I'll tell you what, <laughs> it, it would cement Gruden's standing in Oakland as a used car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> My work here oh, is hang done. On. How, do we, how do we end this podcast? It needs to end now. Um, oh, dear. Oh, God. Um, 
But yes, it, it, it's fascinating to see all this comes out. And then you've got other things that have come in. And the one the one story that's fascinated me the most, I think, is, and again, it's because my 49ers are sitting in second, um, most of the mock drafts have us picking up uh, Quinnen Williams from Alabama. Yep. Now, he's had a really good uh, combine performance. And actually, he's come out of it really well. Um, apparently, Diddy's uh, 487 40-yard dash his agent said, don't do a second one, that's really good. But he did a second one and he did it even quicker. So, you know, um, he's come out of that really well and suddenly people are going, oh, hang on a minute. And then Bosa starts to change. So you start to look at who who are the 49ers going to go with there. There's some people saying that Quinn and Williams is as much a one-off player at his position that Barkley was at his last year. Yeah. And there's that kind of chat, but there's so much of that chat. It's really difficult to try and pick it apart and try and cut through what's clearly a huge pile of bullshit that's also around at this time of the year. Uh, and we'll come on to that probably in a little bit with the Antonio Brown sort of chat and some of the stuff that's been said in the media around that. But it's, I love the combine. I think it's fascinating. I think, you know, watching basically a glorified um, school sports day where they're all doing it one at a time is an unusual thing to sit and watch. I, I certainly find myself with the with the O-liner out there. I'm like, okay, great. I I'm, I, interesting, but I don't really get the difference. Um, you see the the big times from the running backs. You see the performances of the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. That's the cornerbacks that catches your eye. Brilliant to see Greedy Williams from LSU do an absolute blast of Co- the time. Couple of LSU boys yeah. that we saw when we were on our our trip back last year yeah. looked really really good. I think the NFL missed a trick because wouldn't it be great if Say for every college team, you know, or the top thirty or something, as a reward for perhaps the best sportsman, you know, something like that, to have your own day at the combine, wouldn't that be great yeah. to see? Yeah. Just as a reward for, you know, we see man of the year in the NFL. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing to do? Wouldn't it be a great thing to have a competition, one fan from every team, yeah, yeah. gets to go and try out the combine? Yeah. That that would just be amazing. <laughs> Just to try these things, and I think there's there's scope there for that. Wouldn't that be great to say, look, Cameron, you're, you've won this competition, you're going to represent the San Francisco 49ers. You'd never be out the gym. My 40-yard dash would be over 10 seconds, I'll tell you. Well, we, we, we'll need to find out who would win our 40-yard yeah. dash. We'll, we'll do that at some point. Um, but we can't move on from this as well without speaking about DK Metcalf, who's yes. the wide receiver from Old Miss. Uh, and just the absolutely monstrous numbers around him. But I think what's so fascinating that with this as well is, obviously he's hit his 433 40-yard dash. He's done 27 reps at £225, and he's six foot three, £228 himself. You know, he's number-wise, absolutely brilliant. And then he did the drills, and he was honkingly bad, <laughs> and he was terrible. So... You know, and there's question marks because his body fat percentage is so low that he's it's lower than Chris Froome was and stuff like that when they were doing the the massive cycling Um and he's obviously built like an absolute monster. Yeah. But that's not a body built to deal with the the full spectrum of abilities needed to play American football. That's playing to a particular set of skills that might make him exceptional, but also might show up his limitations. And if you're a clever cornerback. You can deal with someone who's stronger, faster, taller if you can outsmart. Yes. Uh, and if you can outmove and if you can outtwist. Um, and I think that's a really interesting one to see one, where he lands, and two, is he a success? Does the really strong attributes on one side of it make you good enough to be a huge success, or do you need to be a complete package to make it in the NFL? It'll be interesting. Now, with Mike Mayock moving out, mm. the NFL's draft expert is Daniel Jeremiah. So let's have a look at his top 10 and where he thinks that players are going to go. From Washington State, senior Andrew Dillard, the offensive tackle, will go at 10 to the Broncos. Metcalf, we just talked about him, projected at 9 to the Bills. Uh, Roshan Jerry, the edge rusher, uh, a junior out of Michigan, he's designed as explosive at the Lions. Javon Taylor, uh, the tackle go to the Jaguars. He's out of Florida. They think there's a link there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, they reckon, will go to the Giants at six without right. them needing to okay. trade. Uh, Montez Sweet, yeah. uh, the edge rusher from Mississippi State, 
he had a really good end to the season, a really good senior bowl as well. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, Bruce Arians likes to look at him. Josh Allen's the edge rusher senior out of Kentucky. I mean, I'm not convinced by this one because the Raiders have got so many needs. I don't know quite how they can narrow it down to there. Uh, Quinn Williams, uh, the defensive tackle, will go to the Jets. You'll get the edge rusher that you've always looked for from Santa yeah. and Nick Bosa uh, from the Ohio State. I think he looked good. They need an edge rusher. Yeah. He is apparently the I'll best be in the I'll yeah. be delighted. I'll be delighted. But Kyler Murray is currently projected at one. And the Cardinals apparently have liked him. And that puts Josh Rosen on the trade block. Puts him somewhere else. Um, and that is another story all to come and we'll discuss it in the coming weeks obviously we've got free agency coming up there's all the trades remember last year a couple of days before free agency and the Browns just started shopping left right and centre and picked up Tyrod Taylor uh, Jarvis Landry and the cornerback from the uh, Darius Randall from the Packers Um, and that was a really busy couple of days before free agency even got going there's so much to to pick apart from this Um, and I think you know we'll, we'll talk about it in depth we'll definitely have some preview um, for the draft. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the favourite times you are trying to cut through the noise and actually see who's good, who's less good, and who's got a good agent trying to hype them up. And last year we had Gordon McGuinness from PFF who came and joined us and delighted to say that he's going to come back and do it again this year. He's an impressive guy. Love listening to him because he studies things to a wonderful degree and uh, that's a pod not to be missed. Absolutely. And he rightly predicted Baker Mayfield going number one last year. We questioned him at the time. We thought, no, oh God, no, you've got that one wrong. Definitely not. And sure enough, he was right. And that's why he's a senior analyst for PFF and we're not. Indeed. <laughs> so week four of the Alliance of America Football League has now come and passed. Uh, we talked about it when we last met together on uh, episode 41 two weeks ago. Uh, it feels like the picture's a bit clearer now. It feels like things are still going pretty well in the Alliance you got to say, looking at the power rankings, that Orlando Apollos are the best team, uh, 4-0 over the season. If you're looking for the second best team, the Birmingham Iron, 3-1. Um, that's on the east side of things. On the west side, it's a lot more, well, it's much closer. You've got the Arizona Hotshots on 2-2. Two and two. You've got the San Diego Fleet on 2-2. Two and two. You've got the San Antonio Commanders on 2-2. Two and, two, and the Salt Lake Stallions on 1-3. and three. So much, much closer on that side of things. But it's been... Highly entertaining again. What's going to make or break this league for me is television. Mm. Simple as that. Is there an appetite for football in the spring? Well, let me tell you that TNT uh, just a couple of hours ago announced that on the 9th of March and the 23rd of March it's going to pick up two additional games to show on TNT. It's going to take both the Orlando games, the Orlando Apollos at the Birmingham Iron. Which looks uh, to be a big game already. Which is tremendous. Two yeah. o'clock Eastern time. So this, this is going into that afternoon slot. And the Orlando Apollos at the Atlanta Burger Kings, or legends as they, they like to be known. Interesting that they, they're beating some NHL games in the markets and they're beating MLS. Which still, I love MLS, but it's not really a ratings winner. Now, interestingly, on a sidebar, MLS are looking at, they're asking their teams not to negotiate new television deals past 2022 because they think they can do a central deal for everybody. At the moment, you've got local deals, you've got national deals, but they want to bring it all together Mm. and try and sell the product across. That's going to be interesting. Mm. But look at the fact that a major network, and TNT are a major network, picking up both, you know, the Iron Apollos and the Legends Apollos games. That tells you a lot. They're liking what they see. If you are an advertiser, you know, NHL games are being beaten, MLS games are being beaten. That's where you're going to go and advertise your product. The problems for me at the moment is the stadiums. Some of them are too big. Yeah. And they've not been clever enough at roping them off and making them look better. But if they get additional income, they will do that. I think the XFL, who've announced a few coaches, have missed a trick. If I'm the XFL, I'm probably looking to to say, look, why don't we just go in with the the alliance and just expand that way and have a you know an XFL conference and a lion conference? Do it some way, but they certainly seem to be getting the eyeballs. Watching the games, it's not always the highest quality. It's a bit like watching, you know, the the championship rather than the premiership, but it's still watchable. 
Yeah, very much so. I think some of the games have been really good, um, and it's been unfortunate. So situations like the uh, San Diego Fleet, who were looking really good, started to get the groove on, um, uh, lost their starting quarterback Nelson. He's out for five to six weeks, they think, um, and it was the third quarterback that ended up coming in to see out that game uh, last week, and they ultimately lost. Uh, by three points to the Memphis Express, who got their first win. But the Memphis Express, who've gone from Christian Hackenberg, who's been absolutely benched. Zach Mettenberger's now in, and he's playing really, really well. So, you know, that's really interesting on that side of things. Um, it's been thoroughly enjoyable, I think. The, the games are on the app. You can find the games streamed on YouTube. Um, if you put in the Alliance of America League, there's highlights on there. You, so, you know, I've seen games live and I've watched them live. It's been great. The coverage is good. Some of the camera angles are a little bit odd, but do you know what? They're trying stuff out. Yes. I think the cut away to the uh, the person up in the booth, the video referee, and hearing them come to their conclusions, but explaining the process as they go, it's a bit like... I don't even know, user testing, if you're ever doing user testing when mobile apps or websites or anything like that and you sit down with a user, you want them to test it, you'd always ask them to explain out loud what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's a bit like that. They've obviously been told, you know, don't just sit there and think it in your head, say out loud why you're coming to the conclusion you're coming to. And that makes for great insight. It allows you to understand so that even if you don't necessarily agree, and there was a couple of calls, um, I think it was, it was either last week or the week before, but there was a couple of calls that one of the judges made that was like, no, I totally disagree with that altogether. But still, at least you got to hear the, the thought process that that person went through to make that decision. That was great insight. And while you might not always agree, you can still see, okay, fine, I can see where, where they're coming from. It doesn't just feel like some random thing where you've got, how on earth have they come to that? Yeah. You know, you're seeing it. It's very, it's very open. It's very honest. It's massively transparent. And that's something across sport and across all sport, including Scottish football, we hear it all the time. We want transparency. We want to understand what's going on. Um, and people who are invested in these games want to understand why the decisions are made. And that's, I think, it's a really interesting thing. And I think that's one of the things that we'll see in the NFL before long. The one, the only thing I don't like is I don't like no kickoffs. I, yeah. I like the kickoff. I like the chance to run it back. I think it's a skill of the kicker. Some, you know, we've seen it in the NFL. Some guys are trying to drop it at the two, three yard line and force teams to come back because they're they're confident in their coverage that they can stop them from getting up to the twenty. So. I kind of that that's the one thing I do miss. Most of the broadcasting's been okay. Some mm-hmm. of it's not been brilliant. Uh there's one guy who keeps using a nickname for his co-com that does my head in. <laughs> uh especially as the nickname is is Adam or something. It's just it doesn't work. Yeah. Just use proper names. I'm, I'm not a big fan. Use it once in a while perhaps. But overall I've enjoyed watching it. Um, the app's very, very solid. The YouTube streams are official. They're also solid. They're just trying to get the game out there and, and absolutely good on them. And I think we will see players from these teams in camps and there'll be one or two on rosters without any doubt. I also think it'll be interesting to see the players who maybe fall away from the NFL, whether they find themselves very quickly coming into the alliance or whether they go alliance over XFL who are going to be making a play for some people. He touched on the fact that they've lost out on something, and I think that you're 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 definitely right. If you look even at the social media presence of the two, now you would argue that the XFL had a much bigger effort behind their marketing from the off than the Alliance did. You look at the Twitter accounts of the both. So the XFL twenty twenty Twitter account has got just over ninety seven thousand followers, um, whereas the Alliance of America has. I'm just looking this up so I can get the most up-to-date number, 241,000. So the fact that it's football and it's football now is definitely helping them. Absolutely. They're they're ahead of the curve in that sense. So um, the one thing I'm going to take issue with, and it's only one thing that I don't like, um, is the, the lack of a road kit resulting in some interesting clashes of color. And for the most part, it's been fine. For the most part, it's been absolutely fine. But every now and then, and the one that came up was the Atlanta Legends versus the San Diego Fleet. And it was a sort of purple and cream versus the grey and yellow. And although we're both colourblind, but my colourblindness didn't make it particularly tricky for me to tell the difference. But I was seeing people who weren't colourblind saying that they were struggling with it. So I thought that was interesting. Maybe I see those colours differently. Um, and it worked for me. But I, I can stuff like that, 
I guess boring having a white road kit and everyone wearing white on the road is, is a bit boring, but it means that you don't ever have that clash. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see a, a neutral adopted colour and white. You can still flash it properly with your colours. Yeah. And in terms of, I think, I think you'll see if the league is successful, they will go down that route because it's another jersey to sell. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the Apollos obviously play in white and they look very good. And it's a nice enough jersey. The jerseys all follow a similar style and pattern as well, which is again, yeah. which is quite interesting. So yeah, I think a road white is needed uh, with flashes of, of colour. I think you can do that. You can achieve something nice enough, you know, with, with the pants and the socks as well. So yeah, I would certainly like to go uh, with white. But it has been fun talking of uniforms, though. Uh, there's an NFL team that have announced that they are looking to redesign their uniforms and sadly it's not Tampa Bay <laughs> uh, with these sort of digital clock numbers which are just horrible yeah. it's the Jets oh, that really? are looking to slightly redesign their uniforms interesting the first words that, that are coming out in New York apparently say they're too like the Eagles Okay, and that's not you know you don't want to, to, to rebrand yourself and suddenly you know it's hard because it's white and it's green I get the colour scheme, but you've still got to... Apparently, there's going to be a bit more black in there. So let's let's have a little look and wait and see what the Jets deliver. Um, back to the NFL then, and we need to talk about Antonio Brown because it feels like the trade that's going to come to resolution before any others. Um, the There's chat at the moment that the Raiders... It's not the Raiders. The Steelers have gone out and said that they expect this to be done by Friday. So this is Wednesday as we record this. Yep. Uh, there is a number of teams who've been in the mix for this that are apparently some teams are now out the mix of this. So we've had the 49ers linked, we've had the Jets, we've had the Cardinals and Raiders. Um, I've seen a few other people, I think I've seen the Broncos and the Browns, although I don't see them trading to the Browns at any point. Um, but I'm not sure that any of these are particularly great places for Antonio Brown to go. See, I think he wants to go to one out. I think... If you just come out of his shell a little bit and tell us what he's thinking, <laughs> that would help. We have made an offer to the Steelers. We had a crate of Iron Brew Extra, yeah. uh, two dozen Mars bars. Yeah. Uh, we offered deep to, fried. We offered to deep fry them if they want. That's not a problem. Uh, that's been rejected as out of hand. I think they're looking for two crates of Iron Brew, but we'll see what we can do. It, it's a strange one. He's such a talent, but do you want him? What's he going to do to your locker room? I mean, we said this when the Saints took Des Bryant. Now, Des never made the field. Des did all the right things. He was humble. He came in. And I still think the Saints will re-sign him. I think they'll go after him again. But Antonio Brown, there's just something, and it's just all about the social media presence. And and for a strange way that I didn't think teams would want to touch Johnny Manziel, Teams don't want to touch Colin Kaepernick. It's not necessarily always your playing ability. It's the baggage that you're going to bring. Some teams wouldn't look at Tebow simply because they knew it would be a circus. Tim Tebow, who's starting in left field for the Mets in spring training at the moment. (laughs) Very interesting. So sometimes it's it's just what you bring. You You know, the circus comes to town. He's a talented player. He's a gifted player. Who, who would take him? I, I mean, there's. I think that there's plenty of people who will take him. You're right. There's definitely question marks. And I wonder whether that's where the 49ers have perhaps eased off the gas with this one. Um, because it certainly felt like there was a lot of flirting going on between Brown and the Niners. And I was excited by it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Antonio Brown signing from a team. Brilliant. I'll have that. He's older now. Absolutely. He command a salary. Of course he will. But he's proven that he can still do it. You know, he scored the most touchdowns of any player in the NFL last season. Uh, once again, you know, he has continually been a performer. Uh, he has clearly fallen out with his quarterback. There's clearly issues there. But l- let's be honest as well. Antonio Brown doesn't get the stats he gets without someone as good as Roethlisberger throwing to him. And Ben Roethlisberger's no mug. Now, they might not get on. Yeah. They might disagree. They might not... Th- I can totally get why Antonio Brown is a bit put out by Ben being quite frank. And we talked about this at the time. I remember you saying, you know, we don't know the relationship. They maybe are okay with this. Turns out, no, they're not. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you're right, though, because there are certain relationships between players where they probably would accept that. 
um, and it's turned it's turned sour. And unfortunately, I think if you're a Steelers fan, you've got to be worried about your future. You've got good players in Juju Smith Schuster, uh, James Connor, clearly decent, but James Connor and Juju are not Antonio Brown and Left Bell. They're just not. Uh, so do you, do you want to know where he's going? Where's Where's he going? I'll tell you right now. Right. Here's my prediction. He's going to Dallas. Going to Dallas. He has the swagger that Jerry Jones likes. Jerry Jones has got a bit of money. I think Dallas see the fact that Philadelphia might be in a little bit of trouble because whether Wentz is as good as Falls, it's also hard to do what they've been doing. Washington's weak. The Giants are weak. Antonio Brown to Dallas Friday. Right. Okay. So funny you should. It's funny you should say that. I actually have him in the same state, but not the same team. Mm. Um, I. Have looking at the cap space, there's a lot of people been saying about the Colts potentially going for Bell. Um, although I'm not sure that the Colts need a running back as much as they need a wide receiver. So I started to think about the Colts go for Brown then. Surely that makes more sense. Um, but the Colts have come off just such a good draft that I bet that they're pretty confident coming into this one again that they can pick up some great pieces. So I actually think the Colts don't bother with Bell or because they don't need either but I think that the Texans look there and they go do you know what we brought in Demarius Thomas it didn't quite work out we've got a bunch of cap space we've got a bunch of banged up receivers other than Hop- uh, DeAndre Hopkins imagine a Hopkins Antonio Brown one to, one two. now they need to sort their offensive line their run game is not as good as it could be and I started to think about Bell pot- potentially coming in to replace Lamar Miller move Lamar Miller on get Bell in there but Bell's only going to be a success if you can fix that offensive line uh, Deshaun Watson can run around and create opportunities, but there's only so much of that he can do. But if you've got two great wide receivers that can make space, that can catch the ball, get away, create separation, then do you know what? He's going to have an option on one side of the field, you would think. Yeah. So what a move it would be for the Texans to take things to the next level. That would be the water receiving core. Waft! So I think my outside bet, the name that I've not seen mentioned yet, I think that Antonio Brown ends up at the Houston Texans. Finally then, before we move on, the NFL UK are coming back to Edinburgh. And again, tickets went on sale 10 o'clock this morning, already sold out. So the EICC is the venue and uh, Neil Reynolds will be returning with Kurt Warner and Willie McGuinness as well. So I think Kurt's been here before. I don't think Willie has. We've already had a question on Twitter whether we're going to get them on the podcast. Damn straight, we're going to try. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, There's no doubt we're certainly going to try and do that. Now, there is a rumour going around that you have offered, if they wish, to be piped into the arena that you'd be prepared to do that. (laughs) I have offered and we'll wait to see if um, that offer is picked upon. So we'll see. But the one thing I did put out, um, Paul, was asking... Uh, whether people were going to take the opportunity to boo you once again. Uh, there's been some hot Twitter activity on the back of that. <laughs> I, now, for those Delirious Nomad says that he's already practised booing. I'm, he's I'm, getting warmed up. I'm not surprised. He doesn't work for the BBC, does he? Uh, for those of you who don't know, when the NFL were in Edinburgh a few years ago at the Usher Hall, they had a competition to talk, you know, and commentate on on Red Zone and poor Neil Reynolds actually had no idea who I was and quite rightly so uh, actually picked uh, the guy with the Saints white Saints jersey on partly the reason I wore white that night is obviously you can be seen more yep um, I, it, what, it wasn't my intention to go up <laughs> and um, it, was, it was so memorable because OC and the guys Greg Jennings you know because it broke down just before I started and they're going hey man just take it easy relax say what you see and I'm like boys don't worry about me I've got this um, and it, it was funny. I mean, I think after, I mean, I, I was aware after about 15 seconds of a murmur as people clocked the voice. And then before 30 seconds were out, I was getting roundly booed. It was delightful. I had an absolute blast doing it. And I don't want to, I gave the prize away just in case anybody was wondering. Yes, you did. did give the prize you away. Did. Um, but great to see, you know, these events are always popular. Again, the fact that it's sold out in a day, you know, £7 is the charge for the ticket. They were free, but it's great to see, you know, they're charging £7, £6 of which goes to Sport Relief. Brilliant. Really happy to do that. I think that's great. Good on them for it. I think it's brilliant. They've continued to get great guests. You've already touched on Court Werner. Uh, you can mention to him face-to-face, hopefully, that you think he should be taking over on Monday Night Football. See if you can influence that. Willie McGuinness will be fascinating as well to hear. I think he's really good. Um, and I think there's other people to be announced as well. So 
uh, there could be even more to see. So we'll be there. Looking forward to it. Should be another great event. Well, that concludes things then for episode 43, and we hope you've enjoyed listening. Again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to all of you who have been listening. Now, if you haven't checked out Cameron's interview with the kicking sensation that is Jamie Gillen, then download episode 42. It's an absolutely superb listen, a great insight into the life of a kicker who might be going to the NFL. Now, episode 43 marks the end, officially, of the 2018 season for us as well. It's now looking forward and looking forward only. It's free agency and we've got a couple of roster moves that we're going to be announcing that we've made ourselves. We're staying strong and adding quality and depth at a number of positions as we continue to expand and improve what we do here at NFL Scotland. Remember, you can get your football fixed by watching the Alliance League this weekend. You'll be in good company. Johnny Manziel will be watching too. Bye for now. <laughs>